We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. Remember, you can always subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And, of course, you can check us out at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I'm here, as always, with Andrew Mertig. Andrew, it's Friday again. It is good to be back for another edition of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Yeah, and it's it's been an exciting week, right? Like we're getting some updates from training camp. Our our very own Andy Herman has been keeping us in the loop with how things are going. The Packers practiced at Lambeau Field yesterday, so that was probably really exciting for the players. It was certainly really exciting to see some some clips from that. And so, um, as normal as things are going to get during this lead up to the season, it it's cool to see. It is really cool to see, and obviously we've heard um, a little bit of a change that uh, reporters cannot tell us whether the players are running with the ones, the twos, or even the threes. You know, this is kind of different that we we get to speculate a little bit on these kinds of things, and I'm sure frustrating for those who are there wanting to give us the scoop on everything that's happening, but it's pretty easy to read between the lines and see some of that stuff. Anyway, Andrew, I wanted to throw something your way because we are actually recording this a little bit earlier than we normally do, um, Thursday midday here, and so I believe uh, practice is still happening or just now concluding, and we've heard uh, some some rumblings that some tackles have left the field with some injuries with David Bakhtiari and Rick Wagner. Uh, it sounded like Bakhtiari was back. 
uh, hadn't seen much on Wagner to this point. So there's a little bit of buzz on Twitter happening about should the Packers go out and re-sign someone like Jared Beltier, who proved himself well last season, who is still a free uh, free agent at this point. There's obviously any time that there's something like this happens, there's like that overreaction of panic of uh, what are we going to do and those kinds of things. But um, it is COVID season and we are looking at potentially having to plug and play players throughout the season. So I'm just curious your take on that need and the urgency behind something like that. Well, and of course, as part of the positional preview for Packaday Podcast, we talked about tackles last week. And one of the things we mentioned is, is Valdir a legitimate option? And I think you have to kind of go through the the normal checklist of any veteran who's still sitting out there in free agency. Number one, do they want to play? Uh, number two, if they want to play, are they looking more to come in at the very end of camp, maybe get in shape, and then jump right onto the active roster as Valdir did mid-season last year? Um, certainly he's familiar enough. Or are the Packers front office just kind of taking a wait and see approach? And um, if the situation arises, they need him uh, understanding that Valdir is a, you know, solid enough veteran that he's going to be in shape. He's going to be mentally ready that they can just plug and play him later on in the season. And I think if the Packers don't go that route, what, exactly what we talked about last week. That is showing that they're either really confident that a player like Billy Turner or Lane Taylor could step in and pinch hit a tackle if they needed, or they're maybe a little bit more excited about the development of some of the young guys like Yash Nijman or Alex Light than we might have perception from the outside. I think some of the panic and the fear when it comes to this, and you see this on Twitter, is what if another team scoops up, uh, like swoops in and scoops up a player like Veld here, who is proven and would be a nice guy to grab off the street before the Packers got to him. And so, actually, Ben Fennel tweeted out, you know, kind of in all of this happening, some hired gun offensive tackles who are available right now. So Donald Penn, Chris Clark, Andre Smith, Jared Veld here, he mentioned. Cordy Glenn, and Marshall Newhouse, a name that uh, maybe people may not be super excited uh, to see return to Green Bay as an alternative. But uh, I guess it's it's not the only solution. You know, it felt here was someone that the Packers wanted to pursue. But, man, it, it would be nice to have some more assurances there uh, as far as the depth goes, as we talked last week on our episode. But we hope none of these injuries are anything that's going to be serious or uh, prolonged. But I think it's worth uh, having that conversation because – uh, we are in a season that's going to be unlike any other, and we're not looking at just replacing injuries. We're looking at replacing potential illness as well. And so something to keep tabs on for sure. Definitely. And uh, I think we're going to continue our positional preview this week. And uh, do you want to do you want to tell the audience which position we're taking a look at? Yeah, we are actually here to talk about the safety position today, not offensive tackles. So if you've been listening to the podcast the last couple of weeks, you know we've been in this series carefully breaking down each position group. And the Packaday team has covered every single position group except for that safety position. So today we're wrapping up this project with the safety group, which is a ton of fun. It's an exciting group. There's a lot of continuity with this group from 2019 to 2020. And with that, a lot of expectation for growth uh, as this young group matures as well. This is a group that's been completely overhauled since Brian Gutekunst took over. And so for contrast, I just wanted to quickly bring up uh, jumping back here a couple of years, going all the way back to 2017, the Packers 2017 safety group was Haha Clinton Dix, Morgan Burnett, 
Josh Jones, Kentrell Bryce, and Marwin Evans. Andrew, how many of those guys are still hanging around in Green Bay? I'm going to go ahead and guess none. Zero. It's a good thing you knew that because we prepped this episode for the safeties. But uh, 2017 was a long time ago, so I jumped up a year to 2018. The safeties in 2018 were Haha, Bryce, Josh Jones, Jermaine Whitehead, and Raven Green. Another trivia question for you. How many of those guys are still hanging around here with the Packers? Well, I know Raven Green is still there, but I don't think any of the others are. Yeah, that's it. So outside of Raven Green, this is a completely rebuilt group within the last couple of years. Brian Gutekunst, he gets a lot of attention for how he aggressively solved his problems at the edge position. But the same could be said here for safety. He's invested high draft capital. He spent serious money in free agency. And he's even traded a big name player like HaHa to completely reshape this group. So I'm excited to see if the squad can take a big step forward here in 2020. Yeah, so the the player to start with is, of course, going to be Adrian Amos. And according to Pro Football Focus, Amos was the 15th best safety in the NFL last season. The the thing is, he's just so balanced in all three areas that they grade in. Run defense, pass rush, and pass coverage. That I don't think he gets the appreciation he would if he was elite in one category. So, for instance, he actually graded out in the same neighborhood overall as a guy like Kevin Byard, who's considered one of the best safeties in the league. Earl Thomas, who we obviously know a lot about. Micah Hyde and Justin Reed, one of the young up-and-coming safeties. So, you know what you're getting. Um, You know that you're getting what you paid for with that big free agent deal. And his steadiness is going to allow other players to be more aggressive. Um, so, you know, the, the solid, but not spectacular tag gets thrown around a lot. I would say he's better than solid in all three areas that you would expect a safety to be. Um, and, and it's probably more true for the next guy. Um, the, the, the freedom that Amos gives other players to be aggressive. I I think that holds true more of the guy that you're going to talk about, Kyle, than anybody (laughs) else on this roster. So, why don't you just tell the audience who I'm alluding to? <laughs> you are talking about Mr. Darnell Savage Jr. And before we get all the way into Savage, I did, what you're saying about Adrian Amos, I, he, we talk about underappreciated players on this roster quite a bit. That's, you know, kind of something that comes up. Who do we underappreciate? And, uh, you know, names come up all the time for various reasons. But Adrian Amos is a guy who we kind of undersell, and it's he's always attached to that label that he's – He's an above-average good player, but he is so good at everything. He may not be elite in one area, but my goodness, if there's a position on your team that you want a player to be solid and reliable and just be where they're supposed to be, that's probably the safety position maybe of any other spot. So um, he has been an incredible infusion of talent on the back end there. And then pairing him with someone like Darnell Savage really gives a lot of hope for what this unit can be going forward. So let's go ahead and jump all the way in to that other guy here. The Packers did spend their second first round pick in the 2019 draft on Darnell Savage Jr., a player that they traded up to get. The Packers seem to like to do that recently. Savage was arguably a defensive rookie of the year candidate. The first part of the season before an injury derailed him just a little bit there. But my goodness, did he have a promising rookie year for this team? The Packers knew that they were getting a highly competitive player with good range who could be a chess piece on defense 
when they drafted him, and he certainly showed that last season. And he has he's totally demonstrated the ability to be a deep safety, no doubt, but he also has the ability to play the slot position, which is a position that Green Bay is looking to fill with Tremont Williams not back with the team. So it will be interesting to see if Savage has a more diverse usage on defense this year or if with other Swiss Army Knife type players on this defense, if he will be more of that true safety role. Either way, he's an easy player to have um, to see having a really big sophomore season. Sometimes we kind of call for big year two jumps because it's needed, and that's kind of the case with guys like Kingsley Kiki and Jay Sternberger. Uh, we've seen some things on film that get us really excited about those guys and what they can become. But with Savage, the evidence is already pretty convincing. This is a really good football player who should only get better with more time and comfort in the defense. In 2019, last season, Savage was pro football focus's 45th overall graded safety, which isn't super impressive at first glance, but his coverage grade was a top 20 grade in the league and was just a hair behind, actually a hair better here than Adrian Amos. And we have to remember that this is a guy that Lafleur has compared to Earl Thomas, which is a very big name to throw around as far as his range um, and his ability and coverage goes. And he's obviously got a long way to go there. No one's saying that this is Earl Thomas, but this is certainly a player that the Packers have been really excited about since they did trade up for him last spring. Yeah, and I think safety is one of those positions in the NFL that you expect a player to struggle in their rookie year. And I thought Savage, like you mentioned, it's easy to forget how good he looked in the first half of the season. And then his injuries really stepped up. Um, sometimes that happens because players hit a wall. Sometimes teams learn how to take advantage of some of the, the holes in their game that they're seeing on tape. Um, and that may all have contributed to some of the struggles we saw down the stretch. But um, for a safety year two or year three is usually when you see that they're at their best, where they're not having to think through things, um, where they can process on the fly and with savage athleticism. Once his his mind catches up with his body, he's going to be uh, something scary. And so um, the the year two jump is something that I would expect from a player who showed a lot in year one. Um, and so the the opportunity to continually get better at the safety position is something to be really excited about as a Packer fan. Um, I'm going to jump into some of the depth here. And so um, the player I'm going to talk about is Will Redmond who I think is a perfectly acceptable backup safety. That doesn't sound like a ringing endorsement, but but <laughs> there's not a ton of really great backup safeties around the league. And and I think, you know, when you can find somebody who's really solid, especially the way the Packers found him as a waiver pickup, that's that's a really good thing to have. And he's a guy who has cornerback skills, which you, you like, because then he can be versatile in nickel situations. You talked about Savage's ability to drop down in the slot. Um Weird thing about Redmond is he actually graded out best against the run last year, which hmm. you would not have convinced me of before I looked, but I yeah. saw it on the interwebs, so it must be true. <laughs> uh, Pro Football Focus did have his run grade rated as the highest aspect of um, Will Redmond's uh, 2019 season. So my hope is he continues to improve as he gets more comfortable as new position and then also gets more comfortable in Mike Patton's defense and is somebody that they they can you know really count on. Of course, he's going to be in that rotation. Patton loves using three safeties um, and that versatile skill set does him all sorts of favors in getting on the field. But um, Redmond's going to be a, a key part of this season and we'll, we'll talk about what the depth means later on. But having a, a backup safety that you can trust in situations is really important. 
Yeah, and uh, moving on here to some more depth, we've talked about the total renovation of this group, and the Packers continued that by selecting a safety in this year's 2020 draft as well. They used one of their two seventh-round selections on TCU's Vernon Scott. And Scott is kind of the prospect very few had heard of when the name was announced at the end of draft weekend. I kind of shrugged when they announced Vernon Scott because I had watched some TCU and hadn't really remembered anything about a Vernon Scott. But uh, versatility is Scott's game. And Brian Gudikin said as much when talking after the draft. He said Scott was kind of that late bloomer at TCU, but they really like what he showed late. They loved his range his versatility, even cover guys in the slot. And Scott is kind of that definition of a raw prospect. He's got the height-weight-speed combo, but just hasn't put it all together yet, at least not over an extended period of time. And that's why it's even more surprising that we have heard some good buzz coming out of camp about Vernon. He's had a couple nice plays breaking up some passes, and the coaches have mentioned his ability to close pretty quickly. So it will be fun to see if the Packers could have found maybe a diamond in the rough here very late in the draft with Vernon Scott. Yeah, and this is totally out of the blue. We we didn't talk about this pre-show at all, but what what you're saying about Vernon Scott really sort of triggered something in my mind about the roster construction this year versus, you know, a quote-unquote normal year in the NFL. And a guy like Vernon Scott is somebody that you probably would try to stash on the practice squad if he didn't show too much in the preseason Mm -hmm. and then really develop him as the season goes on. Every single roster spot from the active roster to the practice squad is going to be incredibly valuable. And probably every single player is going to see time unless you have like an emergency kicker or long snapper and maybe they they never get utilized. But Mm -hmm. for Vernon Scott, the expectation is going to be that if he is on the active roster, he's not just a special teams guy. If he's on the practice squad, he might get called up. And so he's going to be ready to go. And that's going to take a colossal jump forward. So those signs that he is making some plays on defense right away is really big because that's a a really intriguing skill set that he brings to the table. And, um, you know, the potential to for, for the, the team and, and especially Brian Gutekunst to be able to say, like, this is a guy we, we could trust if we absolutely had to is going to be really important for, for him to make the team. Yeah, and you've completely said depth is the name of the game this year. 2020 is there, you know, you've got your opponents, you're playing on your schedule, but then you're also playing COVID and you're playing injuries like you would every other year. And so this is a big deal. I mean, I don't think the Packers were like, oh, we, you know, we're better than every other NFL team and we took a future starter in the seventh round knowing that. But I mean, if they got lucky here and were able to get some serviceable depth, that's a big deal. Any single season in the NFL, but 2020, that is just twofold that impact that that could have on a roster to get a player like that. So good news hearing that good news about Vernon Scott coming out of camp. It's all buzz at this point, but it's fun nonetheless. Um, I think there's someone you may want to talk about a little bit that, I don't know. Uh, do you care about this player at all? Well, I assigned him to myself and made you talk about Vernon Scott. So that says something. <laughs> um, and you mentioned earlier he's the lone safety holdover from the 2018 season, and that is Raven Green. And Kyle, did you know that I like Raven Green? I I wondered, but I wasn't real sure. You know, we've, like we've done two. We've like done a lot. two. Like I said, yeah. he was the the key to their defense last year. You may have said that. And honestly, when he was on the field, he unlocked a lot of things. So you know. 
Yeah, he's not the best player on their defense, but when when he got injured, there was nobody on the 2019 roster that could replace his skill set. And sometimes that level of value, um, you know, can't be under overstated. It can't be overstated. Mm-hmm. Um, I I thought his injury really completely changed the trajectory of that defense. They went from like the we have a defense, Aaron Rodgers, to being kind of okay for a stretch. Um, and, and there were some times when they really struggled stopping players that I think Raven Green would have been assigned to. So having the versatility of a nickel linebacker with that safety skill set is invaluable. He holds up against a run when the other team is in passing personnel. So, well, I think the Packers have upgraded their depth with Kamal Martin and the development of Ty Summers. Having Green could make a massive um change in the defense against those pesky tight ends and those those receiving running backs um and oh by the way since we're talking about the safety position not the linebacker position he <laughs> is a really solid third or fourth safety when you need him there as well yeah i think you feel pretty good about raven green as a safety and his flexibility is really important to this team and i mean i think a lot is going to come down to the development of oren burks and if he takes a step forward that probably allows raven green to be a reserve player a little bit more, but a chess piece even more. But I do think that if, if we don't see that jump from Oren Burks, you might see a little bit more of that Raven Green dime linebacker kind of a look. But either way, he's definitely a player uh, that Brian Gutekinds has <laughs> protected in the mass exodus of, of safeties over the last couple of years and one that I think that this team does value quite a bit going into this season, but there is one more guy that we have to talk about here, and that is safety Henry Black. The Packers picked Henry Black up as an undrafted free agent this year out of Baylor, and Black played some as a sophomore and a junior, but really moved into a starter this past season, and former Baylor coach Matt Rule identified Black as one of his personal favorite players over the years. He said that he loved his toughness, uh, Rule only lets his toughest players wear single-digit numbers, and Henry Black wore number eight there at Baylor as a testament to that toughness. Now, Black won't be wearing number eight for the Packers, of course. He'll be wearing number 27, but he's hoping to do enough in these weeks when it would be so nice for these players to be able to have some preseason games to prove themselves, but he's hoping to do enough to impress coaches in camp to maybe earn a spot on the Packers roster as that fifth safety or uh, some creative uh, way that they put the back end of this uh, secondary together. But worst case, I think he's hoping for a spot on that expanded practice squad as a player with a ton of developmental upside. Man, we're in Terrell Buckley's number 27 is kind of disrespectful. (laughs) Just saying, retire that number, Packers. Um, So one question that I wanted to ask you is where where do you think the um, Amos Savage duo ranks in the NFL? Oh, man. That's a good question. Um, it's hard, like, comparing to other units off the top of my head. And it's even harder because of the sample size of Darnell Savage. We just haven't seen a lot there. So this assessment is very premature. But I really feel the best. I think that this is the best that this group has looked in a long, long time. I guess I go back several years Probably 2016, when Green Bay had HaHa coming off one of his good years, and Morgan Burnett, and Micah Hyde as a new guy guy in there. Well, you can go all the way back to like the Nick Collins years and those kinds of things. But I think you feel the best that you felt since at least 2016, 
So you feel really good about the starters this year, but you asked about the depth as well. And I'm a little nervous um, about this group if one of those starters does miss extended time. Because, I mean, as good as we feel about Will Redmond, the drop-off to Redmond is still pretty significant. And it's possible that Raven Green will have carved out that extended role, really, as a dime linebacker safety hybrid. So stealing him from there to play safety exclusively would create another hole, potentially. So I am concerned about the depth of this group, and I do wonder if there is a veteran safety who maybe gets cut somewhere who might make sense for the Packers to pick up here in a couple weeks. But um, feel great about the group as far as the starters go, but I do think that there's a little bit of a question mark as far as the depth. Yeah, and it's interesting because we randomly got assigned to talk about tackles last week and safety this week, and I think those are two positions in the NFL where teams just don't have depth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in, in a year that is going to be as challenging as this one is um, at least what we perceive to be a massive challenge um, in dealing with illness on top of injury, um, that tap depth is going to get tested. And so the Packers having a couple of guys who have already played some, some pro ball, um, you know, Will Redmond played quite a bit last season. And um, of course, Raven Green has some experience as well. I, I think that's important. Even if they're not the guys you're the most excited about, being assignment sure, being people that you can trust to be out there is going to be really, really important as we move forward. And it, it goes back to the way we started this conversation, right? Jared Valdir, like, is there a guy out there that knows your scheme enough that you could bring him in? Um, more than likely, teams aren't going to be able to just walk free agents in off the street. Um, and so, like, being able to um, locate that player, be in communication with them and get them, um, you know, up to speed on your your playbook quickly is going to be important. Right now, the Packers have two guys on the roster that we think can play um, and and another young guy who we're hoping can play. Um, and, and I don't know if there's any veterans out there like Tremont Williams um, <laughs> that might be able to fill in if needed. Yeah, you mentioned Tremont Williams, and that's, you know, crossing over to the cornerback group. And I know we've talked about corner earlier this week with another episode, but I think that that's one of the most exciting things for me heading into this this year is just the secondary group as a whole, even beyond the safeties. And Adrian Amos has talked about the fact that he is kind of the veteran of that group and how crazy that is that I believe Amos is only 27 years old. And so not to put false hope out, but I mean, if the expectation is if this group is 27 and under almost as a whole, someone or a couple of those guys are going to take steps forward naturally as they get older and gain that experience. So I think, you know, the continuity in this group, we're talking about an NFL that hasn't had the time that they normally would have in the offseason. And so in a year where you've got Kevin King, you've got Jair Alexander as your starters, you've got your established safety group, and you feel pretty good about who you're plugging in there at the nickel, there's not a lot of newness to this team. And all signs point to this being a better group by virtue of just continuing to play together. So I think the secondary as a whole is a pretty exciting group for this Green Bay Packer team. Absolutely. And uh, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, this has been the Pack of Day Podcast. Please stay in touch with us uh, as we get you ready for the the upcoming season. I know Kyle and I are just giddy with excitement about um, the, the Packers this season and, and football right around the corner. So um, you can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow at Pack of Day Podcast. Please subscribe the pod, to the podcast if you can. 
can. Um, that really helps us out with delivering the best content that we possibly can. Uh, you can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday, and we'll be back next week um, with some more coverage of training camp. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember... Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.